Yoga and Mental Health Asana The Healing Art Healing asks to look into the matters of the heart, to take a moment and learn this vital art. Healing asks to search the closets in ourselves and empty a few stacks and old shelves. Healing asks to learn a gentler way of walking, to slow down before the breath starts choking. Healing asks to reach for answers deep within and find solutions well concealed in our skin. Healing asks to unlearn and talk to the soul and understand what it takes to be whole. Healing asks to dive into the volatile waters of life and know that it comes with silence and strife. Healing asks to move towards the still skies and demystify the dreams between our eyes. Healing asks to keep alive a voiceless song, a humming humor that we carry along. Dear friends, in parts one, two and three, we discussed and shared some of our thoughts on mental illness. We saw that mental illness can occur when we experience chronic stress due to a sedentary lifestyle but this is possible only because we ignore the signals. Then we saw that pain is a purely physical danger signaling mechanism that is there in us to help us avoid harmful experiences. But in daily life, we experience psychological pain even when there is no danger to our existence. This gives rise to a lot of chronic disease and mental illnesses. Next, we saw that exercise can be more effective than medication to cure mental illnesses, but low levels of motivation can be a serious problem in making exercise a part of life. There is a difference between doing regular exercise and leading a physically active lifestyle. One cannot be a replacement for the other. We need to live active lifestyles and we need some exercise too. What kind of exercise? Isometric exercise is ideal, which involves holding postures and minimum movement, because these are increasingly being seen by the medical fraternity as being best suited for healing. We do hope that you have absorbed what we have shared, because in part four, we will be looking closely now at how we can heal through exercise and draw a comparison between exercise and yogasana. Why you should as a layperson be interested in not just the action part but the science behind how to deal with mental disturbance is because knowing is a vital part of mental healing because knowledge is a vital component of the subtle aspect of our being called the mind. What we mean here by healing 
is a little different from what happens when you cut your finger and it heals, or when you have had an infection and heal, or when you heal from a surgery, or even when you have been emotionally hurt and you heal. While we do experience all of these on a regular basis and we heal, there is another healing less dramatic but much closer to our very survival that happens every single night as part of our natural biology during sleep. The brain is basically electrochemical in nature. It produces voltage all the time not strong enough to light up a bulb or charge a mobile, but it is always electrically active, even in sleep. And like any electrical activity, the brain's output too is measurable and has a waveform. It has a particular strength which is measured in volts, a particular frequency, just like the waves of a radio station. Frequency is how many waves per minute. Amplitude is how tall a wave is. During high tide, for example, the amplitude of the waves of the sea are higher than during low tide. When the winds are stronger, the number of waves or frequency is higher. And when we say the waters are choppy, it means that the waveform is irregular and there is a certain level of disturbance coming from stormy conditions. And to the swimmer, Choppy waters means chaos, unpredictability, and danger. It is not a pleasant state of the sea. Our brain waves manifest in four different forms based on how frequent, how high, how powerful, and how choppy they are. And they are called beta, alpha, theta, and delta waves. When we are actively engaged in mental activities, having a conversation, making some calculations or doing work, the brain generates beta waves which are of low amplitude but high in frequency, between 15 to 30 cycles a second. Beta waves are characteristic of a strongly engaged mind when we are not so chaotic or choppy. A disturbed state of mind gives out choppy beta waves of a higher frequency. When we are not aroused, when we are resting, reflecting on something, listening to music, when we are enjoying a walk, the brain produces alpha waves which are slower in frequency around 9 to 14 beats per minute. Alpha waves are taller waves than beta. They have greater amplitude. This state often happens even on a regular busy day in moments of relaxation when we take a break, unless of course you are too stressed. Imagine you are driving on a highway listening to some of your favorite music or are having a pleasant daydream and are in a kind of a trance where a little while later 
You can't recall what exactly you were thinking, but it really feels nice. Here, the brain produces waves of 5 to 8 cycles per second, which are a little more taller than the alpha waves. This is called the theta state. This is the state writers, poets, artists, anyone who is being creative likes to be in, as the brain operates in a very different way here. Ideas flow beautifully. It is full of moments of meditativeness, what in yoga we call the early stages of samadhi, where the trance includes thoughts, ideas and abstractions. The slowest and tallest of the waves are the delta waves, which have barely any movement between 0.5 to 2 beats per minute. This is the state of the dreamless sleep. This also corresponds to deeper states of samadhi, where thoughts disappear, except that in samadhi, you don't lose your awareness like you do in sleep. It is because of dipping into this state that we feel refreshed after a good sleep, where after just 5 to 10 minutes, you feel like you've had a full night's sleep or even more. On the other hand, when you have slept 8 hours but are still not refreshed, chances are that your brain never reached the state of delta. Because even in your sleep, the brain goes through active states of beta when we dream. It corresponds to a phase where if you have noticed, the eyes will flutter and the eyeballs will move rapidly. It is called the REM or rapid eye movement state. This is a phase where the brain deals with all the frustrations and all that is pent up through dreams. It's a kind of a naturally occurring catharsis, a kind of reconciling of the books of your day. So this is not a state where you experience any rest. It's a state of action for your brain, as active or often more than when you're awake. Only your body is paralyzed. So the brain in this state of beta does not experience any rest. It needs to enter the states of theta and delta for that. For the brain, there is no inactive state. There are only action and healing states. So when we say rest for the brain, which means a very profound state of rejuvenation, rather than a placid state of inaction. Just like night is an equal complement of day, without the healing state, there would be no active state to speak of. There would only be chaos. The reason is that action of any kind, be it in the muscles, when we climb stairs, or when we lift a weight, or the metabolic activity of every cell that gives it energy, or the functioning of vital organs 
like the heart, liver, kidneys, or even the activity of the neurons of the brain when we think, the endocrine and nervous system activity when we get excited, angry, fearful, or sad. Every action, as small as a thought and as large as high-intensity exercise, leave a trail of toxins and waste products, and among them, particularly toxic ones are called free radicals, which can cause great damage to healthy cells. Usually, they get taken care of when we rest, but stress, bad eating habits, medicines, pollution, disease, and a sedentary lifestyle can also add to the free radical count, and so can irregular, imbalanced, and certain kinds of exercise regimes. But the greatest contribution factor to the increase in free radicals is low-grade sleep and the consequent state of being not well rested. So the healing that we are talking about is the healing from toxins like the free radicals. Free radicals are released in each cell close to where our mitochondria and chromosomes are. And these can therefore hurt even our DNA, resulting in all kinds of malignancies, tumors and disease, posing a very serious challenge to our health and well-being. Free radicals are literally the elephant in the room. The cells of our bodies are comprised of millions of molecules and like we studied in school, molecules are complex structures made of different kinds of atoms which are held together by electrical bonds. Some of these bonds are weak and so in the due course of the millions of chemical reactions that take place in all the cells of our body, all the time, these weakly held atoms often split apart, resulting in an unstable molecule with an unpaired electron. Pairing of electrons is the means by which a molecule becomes stable. A free electron is a little like how an elephant, which has lost its mate and is single, becomes a temperamental rogue elephant. Its single status makes it dangerous and destructive. A free radical has that single rogue electron which makes it free and gives it a reactionary radical nature. They are hungry hunters because they crave to get that extra missing electron just like when we misplace a prized pen or watch we can't keep still till we find it and in the process we can turn our whole house upside down. But like we said, the occurrence of these free radicals is normal. The body produces antioxidants which are molecules that have that extra electron to give away and when we have enough of these and the time and circumstances for this exchange to happen the balance is restored, the rogues are tamed, and all is well. 
This is a dynamic state of balance and for this to occur, we don't need to do anything. In fact, it is the things that we keep doing that prevent this balance from occurring. All it needs is rest time. When we rest, the brain is in the deeper states of theta and delta, and especially not in the choppy beta state. Because the choppy beta state corresponds to vikshipta chitta, the state of the scattered mind. And to recall what the Yoga Sutras say, the scattering of the mind can happen in the following ways. Disease, dullness, doubt, procrastination, laziness, craving for enjoyment, delusion, inability to progress into deeper awareness, instability. And these are the obstacles to wellness. And they are accompanied by pain, depression, disturbance in the limbs and uneven breathing. What we call stress, mental illness, depression can be a concoction of all of this and this means greater levels of free radicals and the absence of the deeper states of rest and relaxation. When the free radicals begin to accumulate, it could lead to disruption in the functioning of millions of molecules and the cells. Overall, the body's metabolism begins to get affected. This chain reaction is known as oxidative stress. Research shows that oxidative stress is the leading cause of arthritis, inflammation, thickening of arteries, nerve damage, chronic pain and fatigue, allergies, hypersensitivities, mood disorders, premature aging and susceptibility to cancer. And all of this also means that we are mentally disturbed. A cut apple turns brown in a very short period of time. This is due to oxidation. Something similar happens in our cells quite rapidly. So just like a diamond-tipped blade that cuts granite needs to be cooled with a super-cooled liquid as it does the cutting, the body and the brain's activities need to be balanced by equally powerful states of healing and that vital state is rest and relaxation. Walking, talking, eating, digestion, thinking, emoting, memory, dreaming, just staying awake. All of these processes do create heat and toxins, add to the chaos and generate dangerous free radicals. And it is adequate rest and relaxation that allows for toxic waste products in every tissue that get created in the due course of metabolism to get eliminated and allow our cells to heal. So here we have seen what healing means, healing of not just every cell, 
with the millions of molecules in our body. And for that, we have to be adept at the art of doing nothing. An easy way to picture this is when you inhale a blast of the exhaust from a car. How toxic it feels. Yet, it is just the waste product of a very positive energy cycle that provides energy to the car. This wear and tear is part of how all energy systems of the universe work. And it is called entropy in the second law of thermodynamics that says that in any energy system, activity tends to increase entropy, the disturbance or the chaos factor. The body, when healthy, efficiently eliminates these toxins and replaces the injured cells with brand new ones. This happens when the brain enters into theta and delta states when we sleep. And this is the daily process of healing that is as essential to our well-being as is all the action. The relationship between action, whether physical or mental, and chaos is a simple one, as it is stated in the second law of thermodynamics. More the action, greater the chaos, greater the level of toxicity, more the exhaust fumes, and therefore it needs to be matched with an equally strong and deep effort at healing. We saw in part three that we are probably not wired for exercise like we are genetically programmed to live highly active lives. Another insight into why we lose motivation to exercise is that exercise is a formal, deliberate and focused physical activity. When we played as a child in the mid-afternoon sun, every single day of the peak of the summer holidays, we were spontaneously being quite artful about it. It engaged our entire mind, body and emotions. We were deeply interested. There was no mental stress that comes from formal engagement, achievement, failure, competition, comparison, all of which contributes to the oxidative stress.